How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, how's it going, sir? Uh, it's going pretty good. A little bit busy around work and stuff these days, but uh, otherwise, going pretty good. Yeah? Is this your busy time of the year, or is it just ramping oh, it up towards it? No, it's just a bunch of stuff kind of popped up all at once that I had no that none of us had any idea that was going to happen. Oh, uh, okay. So it's one of those deals where, you know, you guys are doing your thing and the next thing you know, something pops up and you're like, oh, I guess we got to do this now. Yeah, pretty much. Well, Tim, let's get right into the episode. This is season two, episode 16 in chronological order, episode 44. And I'm not going to lie. I was shocked about this. The Mike Commodore episode. So Tim, what are your memories of Mike Commodore as an Ottawa Senator? Uh, he showed up, he said he didn't want to be here, and then he left. That was about it. I can't believe that he actually won that poll. I thought Pajot would have ran away with it. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. This is what happens when we only get five people that vote on it. Yeah. Come on, everybody, get on it. I'm going to blame Adam. I'm not even going to go there, man. Yeah, because you just know we're just going to get some hate mail from him tomorrow once this episode comes up. I mean, that's up to him. Fair enough. I mean, in fairness, I referred to Edmonton as the city of draft lottery champions and didn't get any eat, didn't get any hate mail from some of the Oilers fans that I have on Twitter. Yeah, but at the same time, they know it to be true. Yeah, fair enough, man. Let's talk about next week's poll, because next week's episode is Season 2, Episode 17, in chronological order, Episode 45. Now, we got two players on the board this week. We've got... Denny Hamel and Alexander Picard. Wow, that's some all-stars. Yep. Now, in fairness, Chris Weidman could have also been included, but we all know him as number six. Let's be honest. So if we go to episode 106, maybe Chris Weidman could uh, win that one, Tim. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. What's the last number that we actually have a senator for? Uh, you mean like a current senator or all-time senator? senator? I don't know. Here, I'll quickly have a look because I know episodes 46, 47. Let's have a look. See, we'll go to Ottawa Senators, Jersey numbers. And this is a really riveting podcasting, man, I got to admit. Yeah, no kidding. But I honestly, just because of the nature of sports numbers and even like rookie high numbers, I imagine you probably... Um, it's pretty sparse after like 70 and then probably you get one in the 90s maybe yeah yeah so from what i'm seeing here on hockeyreference.com 46 we've got patrick rearkosh and eric bergdofer episode 47 uh will be andre benoit episode 48 will be ivan siernick because also Ooh. zach smith and jared cowan were 47 to 48 as well and 49 well, I mean, we've got a couple of guys. We've got uh, Francis Lazar, Frederick Clayson. Oh, that, oh, you know what? It's totally going to be Chris Domenico. Let's be honest. 
He was good. He was good in limited ice. Yeah. We'll, we'll give him that. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get to that when it happens, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I can't believe we're gonna have a Jared Cowan episode. But who says it's gonna be Jared Cowan? Yeah, you're right. But also, didn't we mostly know Jared Cowan as a lower quality number two? Yep. Yeah, pretty much so. So, Tim, let's talk about our week because, and I know that you talked a little bit about it there with work, I understand that you have a new project that you just started, Tim. Do you want to share with the listeners what you've been doing online? Yeah, so basically, remember back in November where uh, I missed a week there to go to a national-level card tournament? Yep. Yeah, so I started writing a blog for... Like, sorry, I started writing a blog on that card game with a bunch of my friends from the Calgary community. So, yeah, the blog's called Wild Wild Weiss. Uh, I've got my first post pinned on my Twitter, and I'm hoping to write once or twice a week. Okay, so generally, how long is the post going to be? Is it going to be quite a lengthy post? Is it going to be more of a shorter post with more bullet points? How are you going to be doing your blog posts? Uh Honestly, it's gonna be it's gonna vary depending on the topic. So, like, if I'm talking about like structuring a deck, it'll probably be about a ten minute read. But uh, most of the stuff I'm aiming for five minutes, maybe a page, page and a half. Okay. So nothing too long. Nice. How long did it take you to write your first blog post for it? The first one, I think. The first one, I it ended up. Uh, so the first post is uh, based on a set based on. It's uh, an overview and review of a, a set based off of uh, my favorite uh, anime movies, the Macross Frontier movies. Mm-hmm. And it probably took me a good two weeks to end up writing it. And I'd say a solid probably five, six hours, all said. But what ended up happening, well, that's even before I went in and edited and uh, made it look all nice. What ended up happening is uh, what started out as one blog turned into three. Okay, was that just the nature of you sitting down and writing, or was that something you had in the back of your mind? I had an idea of how I wanted to do it, Mm -hmm. but then I realized it was just going to be way too long if I didn't split it up, especially because, like, the first part, the general overview, was getting swamped by the more detailed part. Okay. So I was like, yeah, no, I think the most interesting, if I want people to read the most interesting part, then delve into the detailed stuff after that, I should have, like like, a short, snappy intro that someone can read in under five minutes. Now, is it almost as snappy as the intro for our Ottawa Senators blog post for Beer League Talk? I feel it's much better than that. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. So how many are you going to be doing this as a weekly or a bi-weekly post schedule? I'm hoping myself to do one or two a week. Mm -hmm. And I think the other folks on the... Like, I think... uh, I'm not sure what frequency my friends want to be posting at. So, so far we started the blog on Thursday and I think we've got five or six posts up. Nice. Yeah. So now you said that it's, that you tagged it on your Twitter, correct? Yep. I've tagged on my Twitter and my Facebook. Okay. So if anybody out there wants to check out that blog post, you can check out Tim on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm probably going to try and uh, in one, one of these days, I'm just going to open up a Twitter for the blog itself. Huh. Fair enough, man. I do got to commend you, though, for calling it Wild Wild West. Wild Wild Weiss. So the game's called Weiss Schwartz. Oh, uh, okay. So Wild Wild Weiss. Oh, Weiss. Uh, sorry, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I heard that and I was thinking, 
I'm not going to lie, I like the title. Yeah, I'm a little sad because we kept the title, but I was overruled on uh, my desired icon. Oh, yeah? I wanted it to be Will Smith with the game's logo on his cowboy hat. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm just thinking about that now. I'm like, oh, God, that was a terrible movie, but I actually want to see that now. I've never actually seen the movie, to be honest. It's not very good. I saw that years ago, and I was like, eh, it's not that good. It's it's not as good as, like, Men in Black and some of the movies he did in the late 90s. Okay. Even Bad Boys, which is very debatable whether or not that's actually a good movie. Yeah, but then again, it's like, with Will Smith, it's he's got a, a lot of high-quality movies, so, like, a lot of the crap does definitely go underneath the... I think it goes under the radar, and he's forgiven for it. Unless it's, you know, after Earth. True. Although, I remember Wild Wild West being, like, mass... Like, hugely marketed when it came out, then all of a sudden it just fell off the cliff. Yeah, because I remember out. that Burger King had that advertisement with that movie, too. Yeah, and then just, like, the the like the Wild Wild West theme just gets stuck right in your ear, too. Holy shit. Yeah, although I do have to say that the Men in Black song was better, my personal opinion. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. So now that we got that out of the way, Tim, I got to talk about my week because overall, it's been all right, you know. Uh, been a busy week at work, you know, it's been Spirit Week, and now we got Winter Lude coming up this week. For me, personally, I don't know, just kind of felt kind of down all week man it's weird without hockey and stuff going on it's just like oh this kind of sucks it was weird it's like is there a game on straight no how about now no now and i didn't to be honest i actually didn't sit down and watch the all-star game so no neither did i mm-hmm. yeah so tim let's talk about last week's episode because it, it was what it was. It wasn't a bad episode, but I wouldn't say that it was one of our better episodes for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. It's just maybe all of the staying up late to watch those games. <laughs> maybe. It was either that or just the fact that last week, I think... No, I can't speak for myself. I can only speak for me that we kind of came into it. We did the episode. We edited it, put it up. Okay, moved on from there. And it was like, it didn't feel special. It just felt like a regular episode. Eh, but I guess not everything has to be special unless we're doing Stork versus Sidork. Yeah, or Third Line Plug is War. Mm-hmm. Which is coming up here, or not next week, but the week after. Ooh, baby. Oh, that's going to be a good episode, Tim. Yeah, I hope we put more energy into it than last time. Well, I've already got the energy drinks ready to go, buddy. I'm going to get so hyped, I'm going to make Alec Jones put to shame. Okay, now I'm not going to put the tinfoil on my head and claim that, you know kissing gay goblins or whatever the fuck that is he, he was going on about but oh uh, was the water the, the water with the chemicals in it was making the frogs gay tay but just don't get us banned from twitter yeah well tim now that we talked about alex jones our week and your blog it's time to go on to this little segment i like to call top of the hour well, I'll tell you one thing, Tim, with no hockey, or next to no hockey, it's nice to see that Top of the Hour let it, didn't let us down. Unfortunately, we got to start off with a death. I know. That's just how I feel every time that we have to start a death off. It's like, oh, for fuck's sakes, really? Do we really need to do a death this week? I don't like deaths. I don't like talking about them. 
Yeah. No. But apparently but, this one was actually pretty significant. Former NHL player and coach Red Sullivan passed away at age 89. Sullivan spent 11 seasons in the NHL, playing for Boston, Chicago, and New York, recording 107 goals, 239 assists for 346 points in 557 games before becoming a head coach of the New York Rangers in 1962, later joining the expansion Pittsburgh Penguins in 1967, and later the expansion Washington Capitals in 1974, recording a 107, 199, and 59 record. So that's pretty significant. So you have a coach of not one, but two expansion teams of teams of which that are dominating the league today. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like the guy must have been a glutton for punishment. Because back in those days, uh, being an expansion team was not fun. Especially if you were the the expansion team for Kansas City. Yep. Or the California Golden Seals and their white skates. Yeah. I'm glad that's not being repeated. No. I mean, unless you're Sergei Fedorov. But other than that, yeah, I'm glad they never brought the white skates back. It's weird, because they work for figure skating, but not so much hockey. Must be the... Sergei... Yeah, I was going to say, unless you're Sergei Fedorov. Yeah, must be something about the style of the boot. But anyway, uh, no, that's actually a pretty incredible rec- like uh, set of achievements. Mm-hmm. Given that, you know, the 74-75 Capitals, they hold the record for the least amount of wins in the season with eight. <whistles> yeah. Let's go into our next story. The Dallas Stars will host the Nashville Predators in the 2020 Winter Classic at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas, while the Colorado Avalanche will host the LA Kings in the 2020 Stadium Series at Falcon Stadium at U.S. Air Force Academy. Do, do, do they even get snow in Dallas? Uh, occasionally. I mean, remember probably about 10, 10 11 years ago when they got snow in Dallas and screw attack did a couple of videos on it. Right. Yeah, because Craig sent Jose shirtless out in the snow to run around. Remember when Screw Attack was a thing? Remember when Game Trailers was a thing? Rip. Oh, baby. Oh, that's a good times, buddy. <laughs> so uh, I'm not even going to argue, Tim. The biggest story of the week has to be the Edmonton Oilers have fired general manager Peter Shirelli after four seasons. Shirelli, who won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins in 2011, joined the Edmonton Oilers in 2015, recording a 136, 133, and 26 record. Keith Gretzky will serve as interim GM for the rest of the season. So, Peter, I'm going to speak for the Oilers fans right now. I understand that you won a Stanley Cup in Boston, you fuck them over, you come to Edmonton, you fuck them over. Peter, you're fired! That's what I was looking for. But you know what's impressive? With putting Keith Gretzky in the chair, they might have gone from bad to worse. Have you seen Edmonton's drafting? Yeah. That is true, like, Tim. But then again, I mean, outside of like their first-round picks, who have they actually picked outside of that that was actually good? Literally fucking no one. Yeah. I mean, you can... You could sort of throw the bone at, say, a Tyler Pitlick, but Pitlick's more of a a bottom six guy right now. He's not a superstar or a star player, for that matter. Well, I mean, that's just kind of the point. Like, yeah, outside of their first, they haven't found anything. And you're not getting out of the basement if you can't do anything more than the thing that got 
the guy drinking beer on the couch can do. Mm-hmm. At least with Ottawa's drafting record, at least you can look at the later rounds and be like, yep, yeah, we got a Mark Stone, a Ryan Dezingle, a Mike Hoffman. You know, we started getting those players, but the first rounders were good, you know. Spets, Yashin, Spets, Eric. Carlson. Even Shabbat was fantastic. Oh, Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, that's another guy that Boston totally fucked up on. They could have had him at Matt Barzell. You mean, yeah, and then uh, fucking Shirelli, too, pulled, traded away the two two picks that could have gotten both of those guys. Yeah. It's pretty freaking magic. It's hilarious, eh, that they traded Jordan Eberle for nothing. Well, it, it's like, you know those old stories about trade, like a guy starts with a paperclip, ends up with a house? I don't know. Actually, really the first time I ever heard about this. Oh, like those old barter stories. You could probably just Google them. Like, it always starts like, look, this guy is such a good trader. He started with a paperclip, ended up with a house. Shirelli basically did that in reverse. True. I mean, you can also He's... argue that Dorian's doing the same thing. But, you know, at least with Dorian, he at least drafted somebody like... No, I guess that was Brian Murray that drafted Thomas Shabbat. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Well... Oh, I miss Brian. Well, Dorian was in charge of scouting, and the fact that Ottawa continue, what Ottawa has for a very long time managed to make more out of their late, later rounds than average, mm-hmm. I think Pierre Dorian can can hang his hat on that. Yeah, and also he can hang on his hat on the fact that he convinced Brian Murray to draft Eric Carlson because because Car- he Brian because Brian Murray didn't want to draft him. He just looked and be like, oh, you know, he's he's too small, he's too slender. I don't know if he's gonna really develop to be good enough to play in the nhl and dorian's like no you gotta trust me on this this kid's incredible Hmm. honestly i feel like most of dorian's worst moves are melnick influenced but there's still some real unforced stinkers in there that's like dorian might not be the worst gm in the league that's probably Shirelli, but well, was Chiarelli, but he's still not great. Yeah. I mean, you can even throw Jim Benning in there, but at least a Benning can draft a guy like, you know, a Elias Patterson or a Thench or Dabco or Brock Besser, right? You can They can hang on their hat on that. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. Let's move on to our next story, Tim. The Columbus Blue Jackets have hired former Tampa Bay Lightning Martin St. Louis as a special teams consultant. This is St. Louis' first coaching job in the NHL and will be reunited with his former Lightning head coach, John Tortorella. Honestly, this is a good move by Columbus because anytime you can get more expertise in the room, I think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm, and I know. Sorry, Tim, go ahead. St. Louis is a guy who was good because he was smart and fat smart and a very good skater so there's a lot he can impart i think at the very least so it doesn't matter if he's great at overall hockey strategy if he can teach the on ice hockey smarts and the how to skate well yeah he's imparted more than he took away Mm, absolutely and especially if you look at his record right because you look at how many seasons did he have 85 95 100 points right you look at those like fuck i didn't realize martin st louis had all those points because he's such a guy, I guess because he played Tampa for all those years, that he kind of went under the radar for how good he really was. Mm-hmm. Well, like him, LeCavalier, and uh, Richards put the team on their back and just carried it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, and let's not forget Nikolai Habibulin and Brian Boyle. True, true, true. And Chris Dingman, the true superstar in that. I don't, know, I don't remember who that is, but... 
Well, while you're quickly Googling that, Tim, I'll go on to the next story. Former NHL goalie Clint Malarchuk spoke about his battles with mental health following his freak accident during his career when his jugular vein was slashed from a skate blade in 1989. Malarchuk stated that despite meeting with a professional and finally getting help, he had issues accepting his diseases, including OCD and anxiety, which led to him become a heavy drinker and a suicide attempt by a gunshot to the head in which he survived. He was later diagnosed with PTSD and rehab following this and is now a mental health advocate. I'm glad that like one of the best things come out of this is that he's willing to come out, he's willing to talk about it, and he's willing to try and affect some change. Mm -hmm. Much like Dan Carcillo, right? With his stuff that he suffered in junior hockey. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very happy that he's able to come out and help folks. Because mm -hmm. I do remember the first time I saw that video of his jugular being slashed, it looked like there's a few drops of blood, and next thing you know, it's just a big fucking pool. It's like... Yup. Yep. Like that and the Richard Zetnik were just off. Mm -hmm. Well, I know Ooh. that he said in the article that I read when I wrote the story that the Richard Zetnik... <clears throat> excuse me. The Richard Zetnik incident was a trigger for him, and that's what led him to relapse. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, Tim, do you want to start talking about our good buddy Dougie Hamilton and why he won out of Calgary? I mean, it can't be because of the wonderful burgers at Burger 320. No. And apparently it wasn't because of the Moxies either. Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Dougie Hamilton spoke to the media prior to the game versus the Calgary Flames. Sportsnet reporter Ryan Leslie point-blank asked Hamilton if he wanted out of Calgary, to which Hamilton gave a vague answer to stating he didn't know what was going to happen regarding a trade and where to while also stating there was a lot of stuff said about him and what he knows, but is not something to really get into. Yeah, I'm, like, the players these days are so media aware that you're not going to get anything interesting out of a point-blank answer. Sorry, a point-blank question. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what the report reporter was thinking he was going to get. No, he probably thought that he was going to get the exclusive scoop, right? That Dougie was like, yeah, I wanted out of Calgary because my teammates wanted to go to Moxie's and not Burgers 320. And I was like, fuck this, I'm going to the home. Yeah, no kidding. Didn't, yeah, didn't you take me to Burgers 320 when I first came to Calgary? Yeah, because it's fantastic. Yeah, I'll give you that, man. The Burgers was really good there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we end up getting the ice cream there, too? Sorry, gelato there, too, or...? Yes, I do believe so. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. I, yes, we did, because you convinced me to get it. I was like, all right, I'm on vacation. <laughs> Sticking with the Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Calvin DeHaan took to Twitter to give his thoughts on New York Islander fans, tweeting, if you turn the puck over once, they run you out of town. He would later tweet that Isles fans are sensitive and to take a joke. Yeah. I don't think you get take backsies on that one. No. But you know what, though? And I think a lot of people don't give the Islander cre fans credit for how passionate of a fan base it is, given that they're in the same market as the New York Rangers. Much like if you look at, say, baseball, right? The New York Mets don't get a lot of praise or even a lot of attention regarding the fans, given that the New York Yankees are there. So you kind of have that comparison. But, yeah, the Islander fans, like, they're brutal with some of their players. And we saw that this summer with John Tavares and their jerseys being burned. Yeah, it's it's rough. But, I don't know, I don't really know what to think. It's 
because fans gonna fan right yeah exactly i mean i mean you can obviously look at some of the tweets that sends twitter sends to players like cody cc and bobby ryan right and you're thinking well and i remember having this argument with somebody i said there's a difference between um criticism and just being an asshole on twitter there's two very different approaches to that yeah like going out of your way to be mean to a guy over the internet is yeah it's a dick move Mm -hmm. like you know like we have this show and we can talk about cody cc's play on the ice but we're not going to go onto twitter and tweet at him be like hey cody you suck you know because we don't hate him personally we don't even know cody cc personally but you know what we only judge him on the play on the ice well there's also no there's no reason to be like that no absolutely not and we saw that with the world juniors this past year right Hmm. Yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs forward Mitch Marner started an online campaign to help the Reds Girls 64 hockey team in Port Hope, Ontario to raise money towards an improvement and renovation of their local rink through the Marner Assist Fund charity. The team began a GoFundMe in October to raise $90,000 for renovations, but stalled at $64,000. You That's know what's funny? Cool. Is that... The more that I read about Mitch Marner, the more that I really like him. Because he just seems like a really good guy. And, you know, he's a good player. I will give him that. He's a good hockey player. He seems to have a good head on his shoulders. And we see that with actions like this, right? Well, I mean, he's definitely a guy who's really oriented to his commun- like to the community that he's in. So I think that's really awesome. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we saw a couple of stories in the this past year where he's really giving of his time with fans. And now that we see this with the Res 64 hockey team and the stuff that he's doing, I'm thinking, man, you know, good on you, Mitch. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's going to suck when he gets traded out of town to give Austin Matthews all the money. But, you know, yeah, we got to give him praise when it's new. we need, Tim. Well, I mean, he's awesome and... Uh... If he does end up landing somewhere else, they're gonna get someone. They're gonna get someone fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Hell, he might even be captain material if he leaves Toronto. You never know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman announced during his All Star Weekend press conference that the league is partnering with German company Jogmo World Cup to put microchips in hockey jer- in player jerseys and inside game pucks. The technology will be used to accurately track players' movement, speed, and time on the ice, just to name a few. So, I why do I think this is more of a updated version of the Fox Tracks puck in whatever reason? It was so shittily done. Like, I did see some screenshots from the All-Star game where they were trotting it out, and God, did it look cluttered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least with the Fox Blacks truck, it was just a glowing line. Yeah, no, and it's... It made the game a lot easier to follow, even if you know what's going on, because it's, sometimes you lose the puck, and you're not going to lose something that's glowing in orange. But what I'm surprised is that they didn't take a, a cue out of one of the things that I think EA does quite well in sports games is writing, just having like a small thing in white, black outlined white text that has the player's name underneath them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but like, it's oh, a different thing because with EA, that's a video game with the nhl doing this in real life this isn't a video game this is real life and the technology is still very new and there's still bugs that they have to work out in that but i agree i did see the screenshots too and i'm looking i don't even know what to make of any of what i'm seeing 
Mm, but I mean, this is a presentation thing, not so much just a technological flaw. They have the technology down, like because they've got the micro, they've got the RFID chips. I think it's RFID anyway. They got the chips in the jerseys and they got the chip in the puck, so they know where the stuff is and they can identify it pretty well. What they, the thing I'm commenting on is the aesthetics. The aesthetics are right now are bad, but you can fix them. Mm-hmm. And I think that taking a page out of EA and just putting on the TV, just drawing a little halo underneath them at broadcast with a little white name underneath isn't much harder than... I don't think it's actually any harder than all than what they had already done. And I think it would look a lot way, way better in motion. Okay. Yeah, maybe that- they should go with that, Tim. That sounds like actually like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. San Jose Sharks defenseman Mark Eduardo Lasek made comments regarding the NHL All-Star game, stating he believes the game should be cancelled and completely removed from the NHL calendar. He also went on to state, if it was up to him, he would give holidays to the elite players who play a lot to rest them for the rest of the season. I'm not going to lie, I actually agree with him, because I think you could even look at the ratings is that the All-Star game is becoming less and less important, and the fans... I'm sure to see it in person is cool, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it live on TV. I'm just like, okay, I got other stuff to do, and it's a glorified pawn hockey game. I'm not interested in watching this. Yeah, I think the one thing is I still want to keep the skills contest because I think that's a good thing for kids. Yeah, but the thing is, and this is the argument that you can be made against it, is that NHL teams already do that. They already do it with their own players. So really, is there a real purpose to having at least one player from every team together doing it? I think it's fun. I think it's fun too. I totally like it. It's like the the slam dunk competition and the home run derbies. That's the only thing that I ever watch out of the All-Star weekends. Yeah, I think... I think getting all the players together do some do a few fun things, but try not to make the biggest uh, try not to make it seem like it's this big thing that has to be a big important big important thing. Yeah, yeah, because the game itself is not exciting anymore. I mean, it's not like back in the day when you know when we were kids when you'd see you know a Pavel Bury, a Wayne Gretzky, a Mario Lemieux all playing on the same team, and it's like holy fuck, this is awesome. Yeah. I think we've said it a few times, but maybe the three-on-three contest has run its course. Yeah. Maybe they sh- Maybe it's time to just see, like, what's the most absurd team they can build. Like, I like the I like the pickup game idea, but maybe that's also run its course. I don't know. It's hard. Or if you want to do, say, a pickup game like that, you get all the player sticks. You don't have any of the players come anywhere near it. You have two captains throw everything in the middle, take a stick, throw it to one side, take another stick, throw it to the other side, add the sticks to the players that you have, that's the team that get made up. Get two kids to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be down with that. I mean, I yeah, see, wouldn't watch it, but it sounds like a good idea. I don't know. See what t- kind of teams two random-ass kids come up with? Like, uh, this team has four goalies and a bunch of defensemen. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how this works. Yep. Let's go on to our next story, Tim. National Predators defenseman P.K. Subban made waves when he accused Vegas Golden Knights forward Pierre Eduardo Bellamar of biting him as he was trying to pull the goalie or pull him off his goalie. 
I didn't get a chance to see this, so I don't really know what I'm looking at here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the video that I saw, you could definitely tell P.K. Subban was trying to pull uh, Bellamar off. I can't remember. It wasn't um, Rene. I think it was the backup goalie. And it does look like his hand was underneath, and he came up in a violent motion shaking his hand, so it did look like he bit him. But there's no... It's really hard to tell because both their backs are towards the camera, right? So you can't... Unless they're going to go to, say, the neck cam... But honestly, I don't even think the net cam could have picked that up. Yeah, I didn't watch the game, so I don't really know what to say. If he did get bit, fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks forward Brendan Gosh shared a story on social media regarding his older brother Cameron Gosh's 2017 Stanley Cup ring being stolen. Brendan later stated that the, the-, that the theft took place in the Toronto area and is asking the residents of the GTA to be on the lookout. Weird. But also... I didn't realize that Brendan Gosh had a brother who was on the 2017 Cup winning team. Like, was he just working on the team, or was he actually playing? I think he was playing, I believe. I don't know. Wait. I didn't honestly have a look, Tim. Oh, weird. Yeah. So, Tim, this story, I gotta tell you, man. I When I read this story, I didn't know if I was in the year 2019 or 2004. Because, in a recent article for The Athletic, Bruins insider Joe McDonald revealed that former Bruins goalie Andrew Raycroft was brought in as an emergency backup for the Bruins game versus the New York Rangers after Tuka Rask was injured during the game, leaving only Yaroslav Halak as the only Bruins goalie. So essentially, it's Raycroft for Rask, part two. Part two. Oh, dang. But this is interesting because I know uh, Alex Ald... He does a radio show at Vancouver now, and uh, Vancouver needed to call in a, in a game in Vancouver. They needed an emergency goalie, and someone asked Alex Ald over Twitter if Alex Ald could do it, and Ald said no because they usually don't ask former pros. So that's why I'm surprised that Andrew Raycroft was the call uh, in before you make the obvious comment. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that I remember a couple of years ago, uh, former Bruins goalie Robbie Tallis was brought in for the Carolina no, it was Florida. Brought him for the Florida Panthers as an emergency goalie. I think he's working as like their like a goalie coach or an equipment trainer or something with the team. So he donned the pads. He didn't play, but he donned the pads on the bench. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, just to go back to our earlier story, Cameron Gosh, he's a NHL defenseman playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Crazy. Yeah. And he was on that Pittsburgh team that won? Mm-hmm. He must have been a like a seventh defenseman or something because I don't remember him in that third round. No, not at all. No, I, I remember. I mean, I remember really a guy by the name of Chris Kunis, but you know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey Tim, do you want to start talking about some signings? Yeah, Carolina Hurricanes. Oh yeah, Carolina Hurricanes have re-signed. Tivu Teravainen to a five-year, $27 million contract with an AAV 5.4. Teravainen recorded 10 goals, 29 assists for 39 points in 48 games for Carolina at the time of the signing. What a steal for Carolina, man. This guy should be getting more than 5.4 per for the talent that he's got. Well, I mean, dude's playing, dude's playing like a first-line player on the second line. And that's just because he's behind an even better player. Shit's mm-hmm. nuts. 
Yeah, so I'm really happy with the signing for Carolina, man. That's a really, really good deal. Yeah, no, that's a steal. And they're gonna be they're gonna be laughing to the the bank for a while after that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nice. Sorry. No, I was gonna say, man. The, the nice thing about the signing for Carolina is that it's very team friendly for five years at twenty seven million. That's a you know that's a really fair and it's a very good signing for the Hurricanes because if they have to go and spend more and more and more money. They don't have to worry with Teravina's contract being so high that they can't afford players now. Hmm. And what's nutty is uh, you've got guys like Sveshnikov coming up as well. Hmm. And then they just went and picked up. Uh, why is my brain breaking on Nino Niederreiter? Yeah, they picked up Nino Niederreiter as well. So that's going to be a high power team. But as it always is with Carolina, every time they improve, the goalies find a new way to be get absolutely got awful so it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward Mm -hmm. much like the florida panthers too because they have a really strong core on offense a decent defense but their goaltending is really letting them down well to be fair they also kind of shot themselves on in the foot by giving vegas way more than they needed to true but and riley smith yeah but they also turned around and got mike hoffman for what couple of second round picks yeah but that's kind of two steps backward one step forward especially with the way that smith and marshall schultz have been playing yeah i'm not even gonna argue with that one tim no it's just bad asset management yep now we're gonna go into the signing that most likely got peter shirelli fired edmonton oilers have re-signed goalie miko costing into a three-year contract worth 13.5 million dollars with an aav 4.5. Koskinen recorded a 14-11-1 record with a 9-10 save percentage for the Edmonton Oilers. So this is a guy that I've actually been very fascinated about him once I was reading up on him because this guy was drafted by the New York Islanders 31st overall in the same draft John Tavares was drafted. So in a way, you could almost say that Everly was traded for those guys and they also got Miko Koskinen. Yeah, that's. I wonder if Shirelli thinks he's found his next Tim Thomas. Because that's the only thing that can freaking explain this. Maybe, because the thing is, when you look at that record, and given how god awful Edmonton is, that's actually a pretty good record, but I do not agree with that cap hit. I think that is way too high for a backup goalie at the moment. Well, the guys <laughs> only played like two games. Sorry, like 10 games. So it's just small sam- It's riding the small sample. Well, Constantine's only played 26. This is his first NHL season. Yeah, this is worse than anything Dorian's done to a with a backup goalie. Hmm. I don't know. Condon three year contract. Condon at least had a, one good full season. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's true. I'll give you that, Tim. Yeah, this is just really dumb yeah. although I either guess this there is, is going to be really dumb or this is totally going to work for edmonton and he becomes their star goalie yeah that, but honestly it's like if it does work it's going to be completely and utterly accidental Mm-hmm. pretty dumb yeah los angeles kings have traded ford dominic kubelik to the chicago blackhawks for a fifth round pick kubelik recorded 19 goals 23 assists for 42 points in 37 games with the Ambry. Piotta of the Swiss A. 
I really don't know. I guess it's the only thing I can really say is that Chicago sees something here and LA doesn't, so LA's trying to get another kick at the can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because with 42 points and 37 games, like the Swiss League is actually pretty high level. I mean, I don't think a lot of people give it enough credit as it is because you got, you know, you got the NHL, the KHL, you got the Swedish Elite League, you got some of these leagues in Europe, and I don't think Switzerland gets enough credit because that was the league I believe Austin Matthews came out of. Well, we already knew Austin Matthews was going to be really good. The thing was he was tearing up that league as a as a 17, 18-year-old. That's what was impressive about Austin Matthews in that league. True, but even but still though, when you're above a point per game, that's still pretty good. But it again, it's always really hard to see will it translate like remember guys like Roman Wick? Oh yeah, that is true, Tim. And hard to believe he almost won the pool or not pool, the poll for last week. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we're going to go on to the most recent trade because this just happened today. Pittsburgh Penguins have traded defenseman Jamie Oleskit to the Dallas Stars for a 2019 fourth-round pick. Oleskit recorded four goals and 11 assists for 19 points in 36 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is also Jamie's second tenure with the Dallas Stars. This is a funny one because Pittsburgh acquired him for a fourth and then sent him back and got a fourth in return, so... It's almost just like a repo agreement. Yeah, we'll borrow him. Hold on to that draft pick for us. Okay, thanks. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I say, man, next week we're going to have some really good trades to talk about because, you know, we're just coming out of the All-Star break and we just had the recent one with Jake Muzzin, which was really good, but we'll save that for next week because we've got one Ottawa Senators-related story. Ooh. So, Tim, did you know the Ottawa Senators AHL affiliate used to be in Prince Edward Island? The Prince Edward Island Senators? Yep. The Charlottetown Islanders of the Quebec Major Junior League honored the city's former AHL team, the PEI Senators, by bringing back the team's former jersey for their game versus the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. The PEI Senators, who were the minor league team for the Ottawa Senators, played in Charlottetown from 1993 to 1996 before suspending operations following the 1996 season. So I did have a chance to look at some of those pictures, and my first thought was, oh, those are so nice. I mean, I wish there was some white on the sleeve, but oh, they're so good looking. They're not bad looking jerseys. It's a shame they lost. But it yeah. was funny because they did end up getting uh, shut out. Not shut out, sorry. They didn't end up getting outplayed by a goalie who was a prospect of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. And also, an Ottawa Senators prospect's dad was at the game. Norm Batherson. Oh, nice. That's yeah, nice. former PEI Senator. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week. Which means it's time to head on into the game for this week. And now we only got one game. We got... The Coyotes versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Hey, Tim, you know, I was just thinking about this before we hit record. Do you remember when we first did our very first episode and we also only had one game to talk about? 
good times. Although I felt like we were scraping the barrel on that one. Yeah, and we also weren't very good at that time. True, true. But yeah. I think this might be the first time since that we've done just a singular game. I know, this is really weird. So we might as well get right into it. Coyotes versus Senators. This is a 3-2 Coyotes victory. Coyotes goals were scored by Vinny Histerin with two goals and Derek Stefan. Sens goals were scored by Bobby Ryan and Ryan Dezingle. Shots were 33-27 for Arizona. A somewhat even game. Both teams played the fast-paced, tight-checking first period only to have the game be back and forth until the very end with both teams getting a number of scoring chances. So once again, this has been the narrative of the Ottawa Senators over this last stretch has been their overall game played because, again, their overall game play was solid. I really liked their compete level. It was their goaltending was solid, and they did create a number of chances. Yeah, but you could notice that both the offense and defense were really starting to kind of lose gas after the big to single push. Mm-hmm. And I think this is Guy Boucher big brain idea number one of two that I'll talk about tonight that's really, really coming to bite them in the ass is that whole stupid 11-7 and seven formation. Like, your players are getting tired of shit. Don't do it! It's, it's almost like he's not even learning from his cross mistakes, Tim. Uh, it's pretty much that. And, like, if you're playing seven... Def- like, the thing is, is, like, you're playing seven defensemen, and one of them's only playing, like, eight minutes, you're, you're short-benching your forwards every game. So another piece of this narrative that I was talking about has been the play of Bobby Ryan because Bobby Ryan, in my personal opinion, was the best player for the Senators this game. Uh, there was times in this game where he danced around the defense, he threw some really good hits, and he even scored a goal. Yeah, Bobby Ryan's been absolutely fantastic for the Senators over, uh, I'd say, since the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and he's quietly had a really good season, and I think a lot of people may be a little bit surprised by that. But, and, you know, we sit here and there's games where he's unnoticeable. And then there's other games like this where we're like, wow, like Bobby Ryan's really taking control of this game. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, a lot of people thought that Bobby Ryan was going to be a buyout target at the beginning of the season. But I think that he might be someone either that Ottawa's going to be able to get a decent trade return at the deadline or maybe even want to keep mm-hmm. at least for the next year or two. Absolutely. Now that he's got some confidence that his hands won't break as soon as he takes them out of the glove, you're seeing Bobby Ryan do what we thought Bobby Ryan was here to do. Mm-hmm. Because you know what's funny? Like We saw shades of this when he played in Anaheim, but nothing like this. I mean, this guy has really turned up his game. You can tell the confidence is there. And to me, it's matching what the team's playing because the team has been a lot playing a lot more complete. They look... Their compete level, like I said, was really good. And actually, it's funny, the Sens call-ups mentioned what I was mentioning a couple of weeks ago when I said that the return of Jean-Gabriel Pajot could be the reason for this. Because you can tell, as soon as Pajot came back in the lineup, the team turned it around. Oh, for sure. And I might be willing to give you that. The interesting thing is, Bobby Riot, it, like he's quietly having himself... like He's gotten himself up to 30 points in 47 games. Like, he's really pushing his point totals mm-hmm. and honestly all the best for the guy absolutely one guy i do want to talk about is brady to chuck because i don't know about you i was so proud of him in this game and i'll explain why even though he only had one shot 
this guy really impressed me in this game. And I'll what tell you why. Because, if you remember, Brady Tuchuk turned the puck over, which resulted in Arizona scoring. Yep. So you saw the camera shot of the Coyote guys cheering. The next shot was Brady Tuchuk throwing his head up in the air, going, like, giving the, oh, fuck, sort of deal, right? And he looked like he was really flustered. He looked like he was it was really getting to him. A couple of shots later, you see Miguel Bodker on the bench putting his arm around him, be like, hey, totally forgot about it. Get back out there. Just get your head in the game and keep going. And I was really impressed because he immediately went out. He threw his weight around. He mixed it up in the slot. He was creating scoring chances. That's what I really love about this kid. This kid is 19 or, what is he, 18, 19 years old? This kid is so different than the other rookies we've ever had on this team because other rookies on the Senators, this would have totally affected them. And the fact that he went out there, he pushed ahead, he kept going, and I can totally see why Pierre Dorian decided to draft him fourth overall because, to me, this is exactly what the Senators need. They need a kid like this who doesn't get discouraged about that kind of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. It sucks that he did end up having fairly re- reduced minutes, and I guess he did let in two... He was on the ice for two goals against both yeah. him and Nick Paul. But, no, the fact that he was able to get it going again was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I feel a bit bad for Nick Paul, who got pretty much stapled to the bench, only saw nine minutes. I guess here's the other thing, is you've got PRB and Paul playing like nine, ten minutes. That means the rest of your time is divided against nine forwards. Yeah. And even somebody like Rudolph Balsers, who is either a healthy scratch or, like you're saying about Nick Paul, was stapled right to the bench. Yeah, it's just the ice management just really isn't there. Although, somehow, 11-7 isn't the biggest big brain move that uh, Guy Boucher made that game. No? Did you get to watch the last, fa- the last face-off draw? I did, but... You know, I was just sort of writing up notes. I didn't really get a chance to really pay closely attention to it. This No, this is fucking galaxy brain. So, instead of just having the extra skater on the ice, Guy Boucher has, and this is fucking ridiculous, he has four players lined up pretty much right on the blue line. Mm -hmm. Ryan Dezingle sitting next to the bench, and the sixth player with his leg out over the bench... And Craig Anderson halfway out the net. Why didn't he just pull Craig Anderson if he's got this fucking scheme? He pulled this stupid big brain thing instead. And of course it doesn't fucking work. Because it makes no goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. The Sens won the draw and then couldn't make the pass because they had too many bodies in the way. It's funny you mentioned Craig Anderson because I want to talk like, or quickly talk about him. Uh, 30 saves, a .909 save percentage. I really don't blame Anderson at all for this. Like I said, Dechuk turned the puck over, which created the first goal. But the other two was all on CC and Bora. Those two guys stood there and watched him score. Yeah, it's a pretty magic combo they've built. How much longer until we get to uh, fire Cody CC out of a catapult again? Uh, depends when the trades come. But uh, no, I'm just... I don't know, this whole game was just fucking... It's weird. And at the same time, you can see when the coyote, the Coyotes actually have some bodies that aren't just completely broken. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the one thing I've noticed about the Coyotes in that game was that, and I think even Joseph put that on Twitter. He said, boy, you remember when those games versus Coyotes was an automatic win? Because you watch this game and you're thinking, this is not the same Coyotes team that we've played for the last several years. Like, this team is getting good. And what's funny is they're doing this through an absurd amount of injuries. Yeah. Like, they lost, they're playing most of the game without Ekman Larson, for God's sakes. Yeah, and and, then they, uh, and Jomerson too, right? Jomerson got injured, but he came back. Came back, yeah. And then they roll into Montreal, and they would have won without Ekman Larson if they hadn't had the game stolen from them. Yeah. I actually want to comment on the Coyotes because did you see that clip in that game of the Coyotes player who was on his hands and knees in the crease, and he took a puck off the face and went in? Yeah, that was... I watched that. I was like, oh, God, that looks fucking painful. Yeah, apparently that's happened. I think that was, oh, I don't think it was Austerly, but apparently that's, he's had that happen to him on the, like, it went off his face and into, yeah, when, and he scored a goal. Apparently something, like, similar to that's happened to him before. Oh, I just saw that and I was like, oh, God. Because, you know, I, I play drop in hockey, and this is the reason why I will never go in front of the net. I'm like, no, I'm not getting hit in the face with a puck. Wear a cage. Tim, I want to save a little bit of dignity here, bud. Come on. I mean, I you am considering buying a new that. helmet, putting a visor on it, but I'm not going the full cage or the fishbowl. Because we'll if I can lose teeth, back. I cannot lose dignity. Hey, you'll get your dignity back by going to the, the dirty areas. That's where the goals come from. No, I get I get my goals by standing right on the side of the net when the puck comes to me, like Mark Stone. Fair enough, but wear the cage. I'm not going to wear the cage, Tim. So, Tim, this is usually the time of the episode where I would be like, are you ready to go on to the next game? But we're already done. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Now what? Like, what do we do? I don't know. Do we Do we go into the close? I don't know. This is really weird. I've never had to deal with this. Uh, is there any general Senators points you want to talk about? Uh, oh yes. I do want to give a congratulations to Ryan Dezingle on his current engagement. Ooh, happy times. Yeah, so hopefully, ah, God, what was his name? The defenseman that showed up to the wedding in cowboy boots. That sounds like an Eric Griba move. Griba, that's who, oh my God, I want to see Eric Griba go to that wedding in jeans and a cowboy hat. Or cowboy boots, Yo. Eric Gry, do you follow Eric Gryba on Twitter? Yes. He is an inspiration. Like, watch, because he just go, he does like the most Alberta shit. Yeah. Like smoking meats, going out hunting, all that sort of stuff. I'm like, I can get behind this. Yeah. Actually, you know what's funny? One point I do want to make on the Coyotes themselves. I really like their current jerseys. Coyotes have always... Outside of their original jersey, the Coyotes have had very good jerseys. To me, and maybe I'm a minority on this, I feel that the, their jerseys themselves have represented that team perfectly. When they had the original yep. jerseys, they were good. When they went on to the next era of their jerseys, they were terrible. And now that they're under the current iteration of their jersey, they're actually getting much better. Well, I guess the nice thing is, is like, the Arizona, sorry, the Phoenix Coyotes' first jersey was, it did a nice job of representing the the local indigenous communities mm-hmm. with the mystical space coyote. 
Yeah, in your face, Space Coyote. <laughs> but it's a really... I really liked that it's a really good jersey. And I think it does a lot for... Like, it actually does look pretty nice. And Do, it do does... you remember their original third jerseys? No, not at all. Okay, so I'm going to quickly message you this picture because... Wow, I forgot how ugly these fucking things really were. Are they going to have, like, weird moon patches on them? They do have the weird moon patch, but check that out. Oh, Jesus. I get the whole desert theme, but it looks like someone went and just spilled a bunch of Slurpee on that yeah. thing. Like, it's got, like, this weird yellow mountain trim on it. Although the head does look like the Space Coyote from The Simpsons, though. Oh, it totally does. I can imagine just Johnny Cash saying, like, don't hit me. Yeah. Hi, Homer. Find your soulmate. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess one final thing we can do is uh, we are heading towards the trade deadline. So, which senator do you think is most likely going to get moved? Dezingle. I mean, I don't want to say Duchesne. But I do see Dezingle being moved just because, I, from what I understand, there are no contract negotiations at the moment for them. Um, I know that their efforts are more in Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne. So it seems like Ryan Dezingle seems like the odd man out there. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, like, most likely, I'd probably say Ryan Dezingle for most of the reasons you've underlined, as well as the fact that he has the probably the easiest contract to move mm -hmm. and the most side. And he's a pure rental. Uh, next, most likely, I'd probably say Zach Smith. Okay. Explain your reasoning. He's a typical bottom six rental. The big issue to your contract. Yeah. Uh, if the Senators are willing to retain a bit of salary, I think that might help him out the door. Yeah, I don't see Melnick doing that. Yeah, but at the same time, I think uh, the Senators have a, they do have a log jam at center. A lot of young guys coming up. So it makes sense for the senators to sell on Zach Smith. Mm -hmm. The hard thing is, is it, it's going to be a very inexperienced team when they do. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to quickly get your thoughts. Mark Stone and Matthew Shane. Which one of those two gets traded in the end? If they can only keep one. If they can only keep one, I feel like Mark Stone is the more likely to stay. Mm -hmm. I totally agree because... You know, because we've seen how well Colin White has really developed. I don't know if he's ready to play first-line minutes, though, given that he's on the second line with Stone and Dechuk. So I don't know if they're willing to move him up to the first line, and we don't know how well Logan Brown's going to develop, so there's the uncertainty there. But Mark Stone is the guy who you can put your hat on and be like, he is now our best player, he is now our captain, he is now our franchise. Pretty much, and I can, like, but Matt Duchesne, I think, is probably, he's probably the most skilled player on the team, and, like, him and Stone, I think, are very close mm -hmm. in skill levels, and it's, there's not going to be a lot of skill left in Ottawa if, you, if they can't keep both yeah. uh, Duchesne. Well, I mean, I argue that because Duchesne, talent-wise, is a lot more talented than Mark Stone. Mark Stone is the more rounded player. And I think that's why Ottawa would want to keep him over Matt Duchesne. Sure. Because the thing is, you can go out and find another center, but 
you cannot go out and find another guy like a Mark Stone. Uh, it's very first, hard, right? Because first line centers don't grow on trees, though. True, but like I and, said, right? Like if Shane Colin was calling the development of Colin White too, like if they move him up to the first line, how can he play Logan Brown? We got some of the other guys. Oh, I was going to say um, Batherson and Chalapic, but I guess they're wingers. Yeah, but this is also one of the. I th- I think we might be over optimistic on these guys. It's True. one of those one in the hand versus two in the bush, right? Yeah. And Matt Duchesne is fantastic, and he is definitely, I think he's a true top-line center. That's going to be very hard to replace, and losing Duchesne will set the franchise back a long time. And you think Senators hockey is hard to watch now? Imagine it without without a true top-line center. So essentially, we're going back to the days when Jason Spetsla got traded out of town. Even worse than that. Because at least the Senators had Turris and Zibanejad to kind of carry some of the weight. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was like, did Ottawa, other than the expansion years, not have an elite number one center? I mean, we had Gashin. Uh, argue Tur- Bonk. Bonk's probably the only one who was not an elite center. He was a good centerman, but not an elite one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was only the tourists of Benajad years. Yeah. But those guys were good enough at 2A, 2B, and Ottawa had decent enough supporting wingers that if the wingers were having a good year, you didn't notice as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Because, like, as much as we maligned Bobby Ryan having access to Mike Hoffman and Mark Stone in your top six is really good. Yeah, we've had some really good wingers in the top six, but it's always been the center is where you have the big guy on the first line. Mm-hmm. And then upgrading Zibanejad to Brassard, I think, helped in 2016, but then the team ju- the wheels fell off the bus in 2017, 2018, and, well, we're now in the basement. Yep. Well, Tim, I guess it's time to head on to the close, eh, bud? Sounds good, sounds yeah, good. Yeah, we've padded this episode enough. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I hope you enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsandscast. And because our bot Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at thirdlineplug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m91honeybadger, and I'm at greatwhitegipster, g-r-a-w-a-t-e, gipster, if you want to shoot us an email to talk about some possible trade destinations for Ryan Dezingle, Matt Duchesne, or Mark Stone, shoot us an email. ThirdLinePlugSenseCast at gmail.com. So luckily, Tim, for this coming week, we don't have one game to talk about. We've got two. Two and three is a nice number. One is just like, it feels spacey. Four is like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Thankfully, we've never had to go over four, so that's good. That'd be a hell of a week, hey? Yeah, well, I know the Sens call-ups, like, those guys do, like, depending on their schedule, it's, like, seven or eight games, and it's, like, this game happened, this point, move on, this, this, move on, like that, right? And we were just, like, this happened, this happened, this happened, move on. Kind of like that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, for the games for this coming week, we've got two games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Penguins on Friday, and the Red Wings in Ottawa to play the Senators 
on Saturday. Interesting matchups, that's for sure. Absolutely. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensey. Go Sens, guys. Woo! So long, my time here is up. They're going home!